And if you do not, you're rejected. We see this in all aspects of life. We'll examine a few. From the time you start in kindergarten to the time you finish your college education, you are taught systematically by having everything you ever do graded that some are better than others. You may not think, well, people don't take it that way. Sure, they take it that way. Everything we do in life has a grade on it. People have a better grade, get more money. People have a lesser grade, get less money. And it's perform, perform, perform. We see it in sports. You don't automatically make the team. You have to try out for the team. And you have to keep up your momentum. And if you don't, you're off the team. Nobody's place, not even Joe Montana's, is secure on the team. We all may like to think it is, and he would like to think it is, but someone better, someone younger, someone who will break his records, as no one said anyone would break Unitas' records, will come along and break them all. And you'll be out. Our jobs are the same way. That's why you have a review. And we get nervous, our review comes around, and we find we just made it. We get a little more money. Our next review comes, we don't get any raise this time. Our job could be in jeopardy. Relationships are a classic example of this. I've seen it and talked to many individuals who've told me about it. I try to ask people questions whenever I get the chance about how they grew up and what it was like and what impressed them about their parents. I've talked to many who've told me, well, I remember one individual in particular. She was trying to work on her grades and she came home and she'd been working very, very hard at school. And she handed her mother her report card and it was all A's but one A-. And her mother said in these words that have never left her in 60 years, she said, what is this A- doing on your report card? Many of us have had, that's, that's all we know in relationships is you just better measure up, and if you don't, you're in trouble. And lastly, we've learned it from religion. Have you ever asked yourself, why are there so many religions? I have people ask me that all the time. Why are there so many different religions? I'm going to answer that question for you in just a brief statement. The reason there are so many religions is because everybody else thinks they have a better program to get God to accept you. It's as simple as that. All religion was designed for was to take the values of man, turn them into traditions that we say are from God, and then tell you that if you measure up to them, God will like you. Oh, but religion so-and-so comes over here and says that ours are better. If you do ours, God will really like you. Our so-and-so comes along over here and says, No, no, we've really got the way. If you do it like this, you're sure to have God like you. Well, that is, of course, as long as you keep doing them. And so we just get conditioned and conditioned and conditioned until it doesn't take very long and you live that way all the time. If you and I are going to be able to experience the freedom that God intended and the life that God intended for every one of you to live, 
You must be willing today to trade in your old religious beliefs for the truth. And you must be willing to reprogram your mind with God's truth and God's systems of belief as found in the Bible. That's really all there is to it. We are either imprisoned or set free by what we believe. Don't ever forget that statement. You are either imprisoned or set free by what you believe. This is why Jesus said, And you shall know the truth, and when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. There's no freedom until there's an embracing of the mind of God's truth. Religion seeks to imprison you. And God has always sought to set you free. I want to share a little illustration, a little story. This is a true story of how most people live their lives. It's the story of the fleas. I heard this the other day. thought it was a good, good illustration. <clears throat> you take fleas and put them in a jar. You put the lid on the jar. you got to let some air in there. Uh... But the fleas, they, fleas jump. I don't know if you know that. They kind of they hop around. And these fleas, they jump up and down trying to get out of the jar. And they're smacking their head up against the top of the lid. And they keep smacking their head up against the top of the lid. And then, all of a sudden, they realize, if I only jump this high, I don't smack my head. And in a little while, the trainer goes, now it's time. So he takes off the lid, takes it off. The door is open for freedom. The fleas don't believe it. The fleas have been systematically conditioned that they're in prison. And they keep jumping just so high in their little jar. That's the way most people live their lives. Most people and most people who have come to know Christ, even though initially they were set free, they have left what set them free. And they're living their lives experientially in prison even though they know Christ. My goal today is to set you free. My desire today is to help set you free with three freedom principles called the always absolutes. The always absolutes. The first one is this. Once accepted, always accepted. There is no possible way that you can experience true freedom and feel free until you are absolutely sure and you believe in your mind that God totally accepts me without any strings attached. I was at a barn dance yesterday. I had a friend invite me to barn dance in Wisconsin in a real barn, on a real farm. Haven't been on one of those and been to one for a long, long time. And I, I really had a wonderful day. And as the, as the evening went on, I had a unique experience that I haven't had in quite a while. Usually when I'm in crowds... I know most everybody there. But the other day, I was in this crowd and I only knew the individual who invited me, his wife, and two other people. I had the experience that probably many of you have when you try everything for the first time. You sit down, you wonder, oh my goodness, what is going to happen here this morning? And I wonder if anyone will talk to me. And fortunately, people at Evergreen are friendly. But this wasn't a church gathering or anything like that. It was just a meeting. And I... I sort of turned into a wallflower, in all honesty, if you can believe that. I just kind of leaned up over where the pop was, and, 
And uh, I, didn't, I didn't want my friend to have to feel like he had to take care of me all day. And I just kind of looked around. You know, and thought, well, gee, I kind of feel, you know, I don't feel free. You see, when you don't, when people don't come up and you go, how, wow, how are you, what's your name? Man, it's great to have you out here today. You feel funny. Okay, you feel sort of out of place, like most people feel with God. Out of place. I want to share something with you. When you've come to Christ, you're never out of place with God. Once a person has accepted Christ, see, God accepts you because of Jesus Christ. Because you were willing to embrace Christ. And once you embrace Christ, He permanently accepts you. Without any strings attached. And you know what? He does it with joy. He does it happily. Most Christianity is like uh, the meat market. And the meat's coming down the conveyor belt. And they package it up. The inspector looks at it. Goes, USDA stamp number one approved. And then, right by the approval rating, they put a date. Like, today's the 15th, is it? The 16th? In three days, the meat will no longer be approved. And most people live their Christian life just like that. I got to prove there for a little time, but oh, you're not a perishable item with God. Your approval rating, when you came by God, when you embraced Christ, is bam, stamp, approved forever. Forever. You never have to wonder, Am I, gonna, I wonder if I'm out of God's favor today. I wonder if God doesn't quite like me today. I wonder if, you know, I'm unacceptable today to God. Once accepted, Always accepted. And you can do nothing to change that. Or to add to it. It's a freedom principle that God said is true. Whether you believe it, whether you experience it, whether you try to add to it, you can't change it. You're accepted by God because of Christ. That's why Jesus said that I am the way and the truth and the life and no man comes to the Father said right through me. You come through Jesus and you're with the Father. You've got a relationship with God forever. It's impossible to have a dynamic, vibrant relationship if you are always wondering, I wonder if the other person really likes me. I don't know. You ever been in that situation? You don't know if they like you or if they don't. You don't quite know where you stand. I want to set your minds at ease today. God wants to set your minds at ease today. If you've embraced Jesus Christ, you are fine with God forever. You are acceptable to God. You are approved by God permanently. Now, if you decide today to embrace that and believe it, it's going to change your life. You're going to be a third of the way to freedom. The second always absolute and the second freedom principle that you must comprehend is once forgiven, always forgiven. Once forgiven, Always forgiven. Religion is always trying to make you feel guilty. Most people I know spend their lives hassling with guilt, enslaved to guilt, captive by guilt for most of their life. And every time they mess up, they feel guilty. Some people just seem to always mess up and always feel guilty. 
You don't ever need to feel guilt-ridden or crummy about yourself for another day, another moment of your life. How, Mark, how can you say that? Did, how can you say the Bible says that? I'm going to share with you how today so you know this for a fact. The Bible says in Colossians that when we were dead in our sins, God made us alive together with Christ and forgave us, past tense, all of our sins, having canceled the debt, past tense, that stood against us with its written codes and regulations and took it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. Now, when Jesus died for you and me, none of us were born in this room. Everything we've ever done, everything we were ever going to do, and everything we're going to do tomorrow was future tense to God. The issue is not the historical timing of your sin. The issue is sin, period. And God forgives it all. You don't do anything to get forgiven. Do you know the classic sacrifice in the religious community today is confession. The Protestants use it. Everybody uses it. You know what the Bible says in Hebrews? Where these things have been forgiven, there remains no longer any sacrifice for sin. And confession has become the religious sacrifice for our sin. And so many people are trained from the time they're little and the time they grow up. Every night they go to bed and, oh Lord, and forgive me for all of my sin. I, the sin I, and lying to mommy and lying to and, and Lord, and what I don't remember either, oh Lord, please forgive me. And we beg and we plead with God to forgive us. As if we think that we could plead hard enough and feel bad enough so God would go, oh Jesus, I forgive you. It didn't work that way. He forgave you because of His Son, period. And when you get His Son, you get forgiven once for all. You know why I like forgiveness? Because you see, forgiveness relates to my daily life. I screw up a lot. Mark, don't say that publicly. I do, I mess up a lot. I sin all the time. And if you don't, I'd love to talk to you. You may be an angel in our midst. But I'm not. And I blow it. And I make mistakes. Just like all of us in this room. Except for you angels. And I want to tell you, forgiveness relates to my everyday life because it means that instead... And I want to tell you, I had to embrace this freedom principle in my life. About eight years ago, I had been a Christian about six years. And I was just like everybody else. And then in my day, oh Lord, please forgive me. And, oh, and I remember, I remember times of blowing it really bad. Going out on the railroad tracks where I would go and crying and asking God, Lord, I've gotten angry. This is the 55,000th time since I've been a Christian, Lord. And God, will it ever change? God, I'm so sorry. God, how can you stand me, God? And, and I'm up and down the tracks. And then after about an hour of that, I feel like I could finally really pray to God. Because, you know, I've made myself worthy now. I don't do that anymore. I still get angry. <laughs> Maybe I'm on the one millionth time now. You know what I do now? Oh, Lord, thank you, I've forgiven. Wow, this is great. 
Wow, Lord, I'm just exalted here. Thank you that you've forgiven me. Thank you that the Bible says in Hebrews, my sins and lawless deeds, you don't remember anymore. So I'm not either, God. Is that okay? That's so fine with me, Mark. It's okay with me. That's kind of why I wrote it. You're kind of getting the point, Mark. Thanks, God. Oh, this is great, Dad. I like this. This is nothing between, anything between me and you, God. And not on my end, Mark. It might be in your brain. It might be something between us in your mind. But, uh, but I'm right here. I always have been. I love you. I've forgiven you. I want to tell you something. Till you embrace that freedom principle, you will never be truly free. And every day of your life, you'll be moping around and, and little things of guilt will come. See, all because of our religious upbringing, which by and large, and here it comes, was a lie. Which by and large, was not in keeping with what God says at all. Once forgiven, always forgiven. Period. So now, you know you're accepted. You know there's nothing between you and God. You know you're forgiven because that, that's good to know because, you know, as you go on in life, there's lots of things you're going to do that aren't really right. And God forgives you. And the bio, God doesn't want you to spend your life, you see, captive to guilt. But you know what most of us, most of us really believe. I'm saying this, and I know many of you out here are going, that's right, Mark. Boy, that's right, that's what the Bible teaches. But you know, you're, ter- you're interpreting it through this filter. You're interpreting it now, you know, Mark, I, you're kind of exaggerating, so we take you with a grain of salt. What you really mean is, you know, you're forgiven as long as you, you do what's right. When you don't do what's right, you better get right with God. No, that's not what I'm saying, friends. I'm saying whether you ask God to be forgiven or not, you're forgiven. How can you pay for a debt that's already paid? For example, I just paid, made my last car payment the other day. Paid off my car. Oh, joy. It's a wonderful feeling of freedom. Except it's probably time to get another one because this one's breaking down. So back in the captivity we go. You know? But I'll tell you, it feels good for the time being. So now imagine, imagine, paid. I got it. Talk to the lady on the phone. Paid. Next month, I get a bill in the mail. It says, $220 or whatever the payment was. You owe us this much. And I get all worked up. Oh my goodness, how am I going to make this payment? Then it, then it kind of, you know, I call the lady up and said, Oh lady, I said, please just bear with me. Hang in there. I'll get this back as soon as I can. And she goes, I don't know what you're calling us for. You know, it's paid. Oh, it can't be. I got a bill. I don't care what you got. I don't care what proof you have that you're a sinner. If God forgave you, you're forgiven. He canceled the debt. It's paid. It's no more debt. You owe God nothing. I'm going to tell you that is awesome news to me. That's, that's the most incredible news in the world. That is the most awesome, incredible news that I, I, I ever hear. And I tell myself this every day. So I go over this every day. Every day of my life. Someone asked me today, Mark, do you, do you feel good a lot? Well, I said, let me put it this way. Uh, physically, well, that's another matter. Sometimes I have a stomach ache and my foot hurts, my shoulder hurts. And I'm getting old. i got a canker sore in my mouth. And today, every time I smile, it's like, oh, ah, pain. But if you mean psychologically and emotionally, well, I would say 90 to 95% of the time, yes, I feel awesome. Why? Well, because for the last eight years of my life, I've been beating myself and my brain with these principles that I'm sharing with you today. 
and believe in Him. And the third, always absolute, is once loved, always loved. This is very hard for us. You know why? Because most of us spend most of our life trying to earn the love of other people. We so desperately want other people to love us and we try to do everything we can to be loved. To be loved. And so our conception of God and religion again has taught us this. That if you just obey more, if you just confess more, if you just read more, if you'll just pray more, then God will like you more. God will love you more. You'll be in God's good graces. Well, nothing, my friend, could be further from the truth. Nothing could be a greater lie than that. God's love for you is permanent. It is absolute. The Bible tells us in Isaiah that though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, my loving kindness for you will never be removed. Never. God is a passionate guy. And His love is always zealous. It's never like lazy, laid-back, passive. It's always active. It's always active towards you. And when you embraced Christ, you became a recipient of the permanent love of God. The unconditional love of God. You see, before we come to Christ, God loves us, but we're not a permanent recipient of it. Because we haven't embraced Christ. When you embrace Christ, you become a permanent recipient of God's love. And He loves you all the time. Why is this so important? Because most people I meet are very insecure. We're very insecure people. And the reason we're insecure is because the the root reason is we really don't wallow in the love of God. Do you know God is your greatest fan? You're not behind the eight ball with God. You don't have to wonder, am I behind the eight ball with God today? I don't care this morning if you got up and felt like you didn't love God at all. God loves you permanently. God doesn't get put out with you. God doesn't get impatient with you. The description of love, the definition of love, is in 1 Corinthians 13. And the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4 that God is agape love. That's unconditional love. He is your greatest fan. You know, I want to tell you, how, how do these freedom principles work? Do you think that I would have the gall to get up here today and the courage to share with you if I didn't believe God really loved me? You think your life is pressured. Do you know what pressure is like when, number one, you have kids and they see how you live? You have a wife who really knows you? And you're supposed to be in ministry and you're supposed to be this pastor on this high and lofty pedestal of holiness and perfection. And you tell everybody, yeah, I screw up quite a bit. You gotta, you shouldn't say that, Mark. Reverends aren't supposed to screw up. And then the pressure comes. You're supposed to be, that's why we've got a lot of fake reverends. Because no one has the courage to be real because... They, they're, they're religious. They don't understand God loves them no matter what. See, I'm just like you. God loves me no matter what. You know, I don't know how many times. It's been a number of times. I've been headed off for a meeting. I've been headed off for a meeting. I'm supposed to teach. And I just had an argument with my wife. And it was my fault. So what am I supposed to do? 
well, I'm sorry, I can't come. I'm feeling pretty bad. I really blew it pretty bad. And I just, Brad, would you take over? Because Kathy and I have been fighting. And I'd be a hypocrite. And I feel terrible about myself. So do it for me. That's how most people live. I don't. I come, walk out the door. I come, Lord loves me. Lord's forgiven me. I don't question it. He accepts me and He's ready to bless me. So onward, forward we go. Life is just a series of mistakes. And as we grow, we learn that sin is no longer the issue to God. It's whether or not we believe the truth and embrace it. And then He's free to really use us. And it's changed my marriage. It's changed our relationship. We're going to get into that in the weeks to come. I'm going to get ahead of myself. But you're going to want to know. How, but you see, this is how you live free. Because you know, God is my greatest fan. Greater than my wife. God believes in me. It gives me so much confidence knowing I am out here and God believes in me. And God's going to speak through me. And God uses me. And God loves me. And God's excited about me. And God has confidence in me. I'll tell you something. It's done something for my self-esteem, you might say. That's done a little bit for me. You could say, in all honesty, it's done everything for me. And if I had not embraced these always absolutes in my own personal life and go back to them every single day and maybe 100 times a day, I would be a powerless wimp of a person. Absolutely, I would be so enslaved to all these little rules in my life and, and all this, all my feelings and on and on and on the list goes. These are the freedom principles of God. Once accepted, you're always accepted. Once forgiven, you're always forgiven. Once loved, you're always loved. You remember those. You say them to yourself over and over and over and over again. You take out your Bible. You read the New Testament. You read the book of Romans. You read the book of John. And you will find for yourself that I'm not making this up. You'll find for yourself is everything Jesus Christ stood for and wants to bring in your life. Now, I know the obvious question going through people's minds. Mark, is there a limit to my freedom? Well, you have to come back next week to find that out. That's what we're going to talk about next week. How far does this freedom really go? I mean, wow, this is... You've got me, you got me going here. I mean, how, how far does this go? And, and how... Can you misuse it? Can you abuse it? Well, I don't know. You come back and find out next week. But in the meantime, this week, I want to challenge you every day to say the three always absolutes to yourself. Every day. Once, same with me. Once accepted, always accepted. Once forgiven, always forgiven. Once loved, always loved. Remember that. Let's pray.